Book Three, Chapter Six of Amelia, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Robert Hoffman. Amelia by Henry Fielding. Chapter Six Containing Matters Which Will Please Some Readers. Two months and more had I continued in a state of uncertainty sometimes with more flattering and sometimes with more alarming symptoms, when one afternoon poor Atkinson came running into my room, all pale and out of breath, and begged me not to be surprised at his news. I asked him eagerly what was the matter, and if it was anything concerning Amelia. I had scarce uttered the dear name when she herself rushed into the room, and ran hastily to me, crying, Yes, it is, it is your Amelia herself. There is nothing so difficult to describe, and generally so dull when described, as scenes of excessive tenderness. Can you think so? says Miss Matthews. Surely there is nothing so charming. Oh, Mr. Booth, our sex is damned by the want of tenderness in yours. Oh, were they all like you, certainly no man was ever your equal. Indeed, madame, cries Booth, you honor me too much. But, well, when the first transports of our meeting were over, Amelia began gently to chide me for having concealed my illness from her, for, in three letters which I had writ her since the accident had happened, there was not the least mention of it, or any hint given by which she could possibly conclude I was otherwise than in perfect health. And when I had excused myself by assigning the true reason, she cried, "'Oh, Mr. Booth, and do you know so little of your Amelia as to think I could or would survive you?' Would it not be better for one dreadful sight to break my heart all at once than to break it by degrees? Oh, Billy, can anything pay me for the loss of this embrace? But I ask your pardon. How ridiculous doth my fondness appear in your eyes? How often, answered she, shall I assert the contrary? What would you have me say, Mr. Booth? Shall I tell you I envy Mrs. Booth of all the women in the world? Would you believe me if I did? I hope you— what am I saying? Pray make no farther apology, but go on. After a scene, continued he, too tender to be conceived by many, Amelia informed me that she had received a letter from an unknown hand, acquainting her with my misfortune, and advising her, if she ever desired to see me more, to come directly to Gibraltar. She said she should not have delayed a moment after receiving this letter, had not the same ship brought her one from me, written with rather more than usual gaiety, and in which there was not the least mention of my indisposition. This, she said, greatly puzzled her and her mother, and the worthy divine endeavored to persuade her to give credit to my letter, and to impute the other to a species of wit with which the world greatly abounds. This consists entirely in doing various kinds of mischief to our fellow-creatures, by belying one, deceiving another, exposing a third, and drawing in a fourth to expose himself, in short, by making some the objects of laughter, others of contempt, and indeed not seldom by subjecting them to very great inconvenience, perhaps to ruin, for the sake of a jest. Mrs. Harris and the doctor derived the letter from this species of wit. Miss Betty, however, was of a different opinion, and advised poor Amelia to apply to an officer whom the governor had sent over in the same ship, by whom the report of my illness was so strongly confirmed that Amelia immediately resolved on her voyage. I had great curiosity to know the author of this letter, 
but not the least trace of it could be discovered the only person with whom i lived in any great intimacy was captain james and he madame from what i have already told you you will think to be the last person i could suspect besides he declared upon his honor that he knew nothing of the matter and no man's honor is i believe more sacred there was indeed an ensign of another regiment who knew my wife and who had sometimes visited me in my illness but he was a very unlikely man to interest himself much in any affairs which did not concern him and he too declared he knew nothing of it and did you never discover the secret cried miss matthews never to this day answered booth i fancy said she i could give a shrewd guess what's so likely as that mrs booth when you left her should have given her foster-brother orders to send her word of whatever befell you yet stay that could not be neither for then she would not have doubted whether she should leave dear england on the receipt of the letter no it must have been by some other means yet that i own appeared extremely natural to me for if i had been left by such a husband i think i should have pursued the same method no madame cried booth it must have been conveyed by some other channel for my amelia i am certain was entirely ignorant of the manner and as for poor atkinson i am convinced he would not have ventured to take such a step without acquainting me besides the poor fellow had i believe such a regard for my wife out of gratitude for the favor she had done his mother that i make no doubt he was highly rejoiced at her absence from my melancholy scene well whoever writ it is a matter very immaterial yet as it seems so odd and unaccountable an incident i could not help mentioning it from the time of amelia's arrival nothing remarkable happened till my perfect recovery unless i should observe her remarkable behavior so full of care and tenderness that it was perhaps without a parallel oh no mr booth cries the lady it is fully equalled i am sure by your gratitude there is nothing i believe so rare as gratitude in your sex especially in husbands so kind a remembrance is indeed more than a return to such an obligation for where is the mighty obligation which a woman confers who being possessed of an inestimable jewel is so kind to herself as to be careful and tender of it i do not say this to lessen your opinion of mrs booth i have no doubt but that she loves you as well as she is capable but i would not have you think so meanly of our sex as to imagine there are not a thousand women susceptible of true tenderness towards a meritorious man believe me mr booth if i had received such an account of an accident having happened to such a husband a mother and a parson would not have held me a moment i should have leapt into the first fishing boat i could have found and bid defiance to the winds and waves oh there is no true tenderness but in a woman of spirit I would not be understood all this while to reflect on Mrs. Booth. I am only defending the cause of my sex, for, upon my soul, such compliments to a wife are a satire on the rest of womankind. Sure you jest, Miss Matthews, answered Booth with a smile. However, if you please, I will proceed in my story. End of Book 3, Chapter 6 Recording by Robert Hoffman